Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Megan Doherty and myself are back for another season of Picard. In this series, it's Picard Season 3, which will be the final season of this great television series. In this series, we will go through each episode, detailing the synopsis, taking a look at some of our favorite scenes and discussing general themes and looking at key Easter eggs. I know you'll enjoy because that's what heroes do, Picard season three. Episode nine, Vox. In this penultimate episode of season three, Troy discovers Jack is connected to the Borg, the source of all the voices he hears. Beverly realizes that Picard's supposed irremotic syndrome was in fact undetected organic Borg technology implanted in him when he became Locutus, and hence why he could still hear the collective after being rescued, and that this technology seeded itself in Jack's DNA. Horrified, Jack flees the Titan in a shuttle, despite Picard's attempts to stop him. Guided by his link to the collective, Jack finds a board Borg cube and boards it, intending to kill the queen. However, upon confronting the queen, Jack falls under her influence and allows himself to be assimilated. Meanwhile, as the Titan races to the Starfleet anniversary celebrations for Frontier Day above Earth, Data, Geordi, and Beverly discover that the rogue changeling stole Picard's corpse in order to harvest the parietal lobe and copy his Borg-altered DNA, which they then planted in the transporter systems in all Starfleet ships, infecting any Starfleet personnel whose frontal cortexes are still developing, i.e. those under the age of 25. Picard informs Fleet Admiral Shelby of the developments, but it is too late as the Borg used Jack to trigger the assimilation of Starfleet's youngest members, including Geordi's daughters. The assimilated Starfleet youth assassinate Shelby and seize control of the entire fleet, including the Titan. Shaw sacrifices himself to buy Picard and the others time to escape. Before dying, Shaw hands over command to Seven of Nine, who remains on board the Titan with Rafi. Picard and his former crew head over to the Starfleet Museum, where Geordi reveals that he has secretly rebuilt the Enterprise-D after its destruction, and it is now the only operable Starfleet vessel not under board control. The Enterprise's old crew gets back together and presses her back into service to save the Federation. And now... Megan Doherty. Well, Megan, episode nine, Vox. Did this rock and roll or what? I knew he was a Borg. <laughs> oh, it was satisfying. Yeah, you called it. Kudos. <laughs> it makes complete sense. But I guess the... I don't want to say it was the backstory, but how they put it all together to get Jack to that point was, I just thought, brilliant and some great science fiction writing. Yeah. So they had to get Picard's original human body to get 
it was not clear to me if they took the organ or they just harvested his post-Borg inserted DNA, but they got that and they were able to create enough material so they could put it in the transporters to change the crew. And then, of course, Vedic, I think she discovered that as she was escaping Daystrom Station. Did I get that right? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, the the whole relationship between the Borg and the changelings, I think is really fascinating. And it really brought up some big questions for me about what is being really said here about collectivist versus independence, right? The big bad guys, the have all these great goals, but I don't know, it feels a little, it feels American in terms of everything that is, it's communist, basically, absolutely terrible, absolutely the worst, even if it's being approached with these really great intentions. And then you've got whatever the Federation is right now uh, as the obvious alternative. I thought it was philosophically very good to chew on. I took it in a completely different direction. I mm-hmm. thought it was two defeated enemies defeated by a bi- biological weapon, basically genocide against both the Borg and the changelings mm-hmm. who recognize singularly or at a part, basically they weren't going to be strong enough to attack and defeat the Federation and so decimated that they didn't care what they had to do to destroy the Federation. And so that's, yeah. Fair that's where I that's, saw that. Yeah, I think. I think that's much that makes a lot more sense for like in world. I'm thinking more commentary on the world. Uh, Let me ask you this. I Mm -hmm. was a little put off when the Borg Queen reappeared because it wasn't Jurati. And that was such a part of season two. But I had to then step back and say, that's a different timeline. And we've got multiple timelines going now. Yeah. But it, after having had that great ending of season two, where I thought that there possibly could be, if not a rapprochement, at least a non-proliferation pack, and we won't kill each other. I don't know if the board would ever be admitted to the Federation into that timeline or not, but I thought that was such a hopeful ending for season two. So I was a little yeah. disappointed to see the bad board queen reappear. Yeah, no, it's a good point that it's different timelines. That's, I always find completely different timelines or multiverses a little hard to keep track of, but it was <laughs> just my, my failing there. But I agree, it was such a hopeful ending and I would have I lo- I loved more exploration of the more hopeful, positive Borg, which almost seemed like we'll talk about the potential new direction of main timeline Borg when we talk about the finale. But what I wanted to get your take on a little bit was how do you think it must have felt for especially Counselor Troy, Deanna, to see a Borg cube behind that door. Because that was quite a scene. And professionally, it just very poorly done by Deanna. <laughs> but emotionally, I'm sure there's some good reasons for it. I tried, when I saw that and rewatched it, I tried to think of a single episode of TNG where she was that terrified, and I couldn't think of one. There were certainly scenes she saw during TNG that disturbed her. And, but that took it to a level of terror that made me wonder, did the Borg do something to her planet? Yeah. I just thought it was a level of terror I had never seen in her. And then the corollary to this discussion, which I hadn't realized, was she's not a telepath. She's an empath. 
And certain betazoids are telepaths, but she's not one of them. So she can't communicate, although I thought she communicated with her mother non-verbally. So maybe that was my confusion. I'm sure there are family things. Okay. Yeah, there's got to be family exceptions. <laughs> but the terror she saw I was beyond anything I could recall from hmm. TNG. How about you? Yeah, I, I was mainly quite affronted that she left Jack alone after that revelation. Didn't even discuss it, didn't disclose it, just ran off to tell other people. I'm not a counselor or therapist of any kind myself, but I'm pretty sure that's a no-no. <laughs> Are you calling it patient confidentiality? Plus the patient confidentiality and then just basic empathy. You've just discovered something about this person who's terrified and you're just like, sorry, nope, can't, running out. Like, I go. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was not Deanna's best moment. I was not super impressed by that. I have to agree with that. Yeah. Um, but I just, it made me think there's something going on here about her level of terror with the Borg that I don't mm -hmm. understand or that yeah. I don't recall. That, that's, I think, a very generous reading of it. Because otherwise, that was a pretty rough thing to do to a kid. So it's not exactly a cameo appearance, but I have to say my favorite non-star appearance in this episode was... Admiral Shelby. I had that noted I thought, down. That yeah. was so cool. I even told my wife, look, it's Shelby. <laughs> I love She's the like, way they've been doing that throughout this whole series. Just, oh yeah, that person who you saw in a couple of episodes or who was a minor character, they have continued to exist in the universe and they're still doing things. Oh, it's so great. And she's fleet Admiral Shelby. So she got exactly what she wanted. She wanted the captain's chair way back when in the best of both worlds. And she got it. I thought that was so cool. And what about your buddy Shaw? Let's see. What have I got down here about Shaw for this one? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. It happened in this episode. I thought of you the whole scene. What's Megan going to do? I was just so sad. I think his death reminded me a lot of Vedic's death, actually. So when I was my heart that he handed it over to Seven, that he called her by her proper name. Those were wonderful things. But just the full circle that had happened for him. He gets all of this trauma, this PTSD, this big chip on his shoulder from having survived Wolf 359, only to ultimately be murdered by Picard's son. It just, it was less of a noble death. It just, there was no glory here, just like with Vedic. There was no real success. It didn't end up meaning anything. It's just, just a brutal, wasteful death. It made me really sad. I had thought before that happened that he was going to lead the next series and it was going to be he is captain thought we were going to get more of him too they, seven of nine as first officer obviously that's not going to happen now and i thought he became one of the most interesting characters in this right? series to me because of what you said his full journey the whole wolf 359 the survivor's guilt that he felt yeah. It wasn't that he had seen his crewmates and colleagues murdered. It was the survivor's guilt, literally. Why am I throwing on this life raft? Oh, yeah. And it, it, it plagued him his whole life. And then he just was, he was killed by the thing he blamed, fairly right. or not. And just, oh. Yeah. But you're absolutely right, though, at the end, when he called her seven of nine. That was a good moment. Yes. That was a pretty good And moment. I thought of you again. <laughs> And it really showed his, at the last moment, he recognized his mistake yeah. and tried to actually reach out to her in a very human way by calling 
her Borg name. Yeah. And I just thought the not contradiction, but the juxtaposition of that was just brilliant. Yeah, I think I think the next iterations, whatever comes after this, and I'm I think you said at some point I can't remember if we were recording or not. We've got Star Trek for the rest of our lives now. Yeah, I think you're entirely correct, but I think it will be lesser because Shaw will not be in it. I agree. I agree. And you rarely get to see, I think, a full story arc of a character in terms of personal growth. Mm. And that's what I saw here. He's, sometimes you see it in one episode and you think, no, just not enough. But here we saw it over nine episodes because he doesn't make it to 10. But yeah. I, that whole scene, I thought, God, what is Megan going to think? And I know she's going to be upset. <laughs> it was not easy watching. It was not easy watching. Let's talk a little bit about the Borg taking over everyone under the age of 25 in Starfleet. <laughs> First of all, I didn't realize that that was a thing, but then I thought about it. And other than the queen, there are no old Borgs, no old drones. Pretty ingenious. Also, in my mind, as terrifying a nightmare as any parent can have. Yeah, I'm not a parent, but I kept thinking along those lines. Like, yeah, could there be anything more... Terrifying. I've got down this. Okay. It's very children of the corn. We've got, do you know, have you seen, watched Torchwood? Yes. Yeah. Children of earth. We are coming. We are coming. Just, oh yeah. So I think they were really calling out to some other quite wonderful franchises there, but it also Man, brought up the Torchwood. Deep tracks. Wow. <laughs> I'm impressed. But when, yeah, when all of the kids on the bridge, when they started saying this, we are coming. I was like, that is a direct call out. That is 100%. Children of Earth. But um, why were all these babies on the bridge? What kind of education system do they have that you have? <laughs> Tiny uh, infant children running spaceships. <laughs> that's a really good question. I really hadn't thought about that in terms of junior officers. You have to assume to get into the academy, you literally have to be like a Gerardi, the absolute best of the best. And yeah, because it's like frontier day. Right. Why isn't it like the more senior officers who are in place of honor on the bridges? Why Why is it all of these? Okay, no, wait, changeling infiltration. Never mind, I answered my own question. Because so, Starfleet was run by changelings. <laughs> so what other questions came up for you? Uh, let's see, a little bit about, yeah, more on Jack. I think this was really interesting. It's just right after he realized what he was, started to do this internal questioning of, am I going to stay here? Am I going to join the Borg? What's going on? Deanna mentioned specific protocols about what has to be done. And I was really curious about what are these protocols to what do they refer? What situations were they planning for in terms of a danger to Starfleet like this? And I, yeah, what did you think about that? So that actually is the answer to the question of, or the response of why she left like she did. I That's thought. probably true, isn't it? Yeah. Cause she knew what was going to have to be done. Yes. <laughs> and what was going to have to be done was either sterilization, sort of some sort of containerization. Yeah, the Vulcan Academy. The <laughs> right. Something, whether you call it a re-education camp or whatever it is, and whatever it was going to be conceivably could have been medical experiments on Daystrom Station. Mm -hmm. And But you're absolutely right. There were protocols in place. They were severe because they had to be severe. Because 25 years, whenever it was, we last time we saw the Borg at Wolf 359, they were the superior being. Yeah. And humans weren't, and they could manipulate humans in a way we had no defenses against, 
you would have thought we might have evolved, but maybe not, because I saw just absolute horror and terror in her voice. And now that I say all that, I remember thinking it was whatever these protocols are, they are very dark. I thought that the the other thing that I thought was interesting was Jack, like everyone else who was of age to be assimilated, had lived almost entirely in a post-Borg world. They were all born, they all grew up, they were all educated after the threat had been eliminated as far as everyone knew. And I think that really went a long way to explaining his arrogance to be like, no, I can handle this. I don't need protocols. I'm going to be fine. They have no idea (laughs) whatsoever what they were actually going to be up against. I just wrote down here, one frap boy against the Borg queen. Yeah. And actually that scene gave me more insight to what happened to Picard on the best of both mm-hmm. because he tried to tell Jack, you can't fight her. She's too powerful. And he is an enhanced human to draw from perhaps another series we've talked about. He is enhanced yet. Even he was not able to fully defend himself from, I don't want to say her charms, mm-hmm. certainly her mind powers. And even in her depleted condition, she was still a much more powerful being than humans were. Oh, yeah. Or are. Yeah. Okay. So last, I think, maybe point for this time. And this one, I think, is all on you. How did it feel to see the Enterprise? (laughs) Great. It was so cool to see that. I was just in awe. And I felt so good inside. I think we've touched on this earlier in, in one of our prior podcasts. But in terms of TNG and that crew... We didn't have a movie or ending of the television series in a way that was very satisfactory because of the way the series ended. I think I've heard Deanna Troy in an interview say we went off the set from Star Trek, the next generation and went to the movie set the next week. Oh, wow. So literally they, they kept working and they never got a a final farewell movie like the TOS crew got. Mm -hmm. And so I was hoping that this series would be that final farewell and spoiler alert it is, but it starts with that seeing the bridge and I've read all the interviews from these construction crew guys who came back to work on it and (laughs) they just loved it. And the way they honored all of that and in some way honored us as the viewer, as the fan. It brought uh, me right back, just the way those lights were on the displays. That was the one that really got me, is the visual. It was yeah. so different to what it is now. And uh, the comment about the carpet was hilarious. I cackled. <laughs> that was good. That was really good. <laughs> I just absolutely loved it. And I'm not, TNG is not my series. And I still loved it. And <laughs> I just thought, this is just, it, this is too great. Oh, very good. So the gang is back together. The son of Picard and Crusher is on his way to the Borg, and the entire fleet has been taken over by children who are now aiming at Earth's only defense system. That's where we leave episode nine. (laughs) That's a great way for us to end it, and I hope our listeners will join us, Megan, for our next episode, which unfortunately is our final episode. I'm so sad this series is over. (laughs) So I'm Tom Fox. And I'm Megan Doherty. See you next time. This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the award-winning because that's what heroes do. I hope you'll join Megan and I again next week when we take up episode three. Also, if you could subscribe, 
rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to it. We would greatly appreciate it. Because That's What Heroes Do is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.
This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the award-winning Because That's What Heroes Do. I hope you'll join Megan and I again next week when we take up episode three. Also, if you could subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to it, we would greatly appreciate it. Because That's What Heroes Do is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.